Yours is the voice we want to hear more than any others, Father. We pray that you give us ears to hear, that you give us open hearts, and that that we would really be led to see how good you are. That we would have a deeper faith and a deeper trust that will see us through any and every difficulty. And for those who are going through difficulties already today, maybe far greater than the difficulty that I talk about, Father, I pray that you would fill them with hope. A hope that is grounded in the infinite love of their Father in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to grab your Bible and to open it up to James chapter 1 and verse 17. Just four weeks ago, I woke up on the morning of January 17, and as my practice is, I like to read my Bible, not necessarily in a physical Bible. I think there's a lot of value in that, but for me, one of the easiest ways is to pick up my electronic Bible. And so I picked it up, and I opened up the YouVersion app, and as I opened it up, it immediately told me what the verse of the day was. The verse of the day was James chapter 1 and verse 17. So if you want to go ahead and turn there with me in your Bible so you can see it for yourself, we'll also have it up on the screen. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says this, Every good and gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow of turning. That's good news, isn't it, this morning? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. Now, on this morning, this meant something extra special to me. And in fact, it meant something extra special to my wife. She texted me before long. She said, did you see what the verse of the day is on the YouVersion app? I said, yeah, I did. (laughs) It's kind of cool, huh? Because we were scheduled that day. Thank you. I appreciate it. We were scheduled that day to go and to have our children at Twin Cities Hospital. And it was January 17. I went to pray with another friend who pastors a church out in Colorado, and we were praying together that morning because I needed prayer. I had barely slept the night before. And as we're praying together, he said, do you realize that James 1, 17, today is January 17. This is your daughter's birthday, and God gave you a promise for your daughter's birthday? Somebody else was telling Leah, the good thing is every good and perfect gift. This is telling you, your daughters are going to be perfect. And we already know that as parents, but anyway, they're every good and perfect gift. We'd been praying a lot for the day that our daughters were going to be born. And thank you to each of you who've joined us in praying for that for years. Really, it was at 10 days of prayer a year ago where we mentioned to a broader group of you that we really wanted to have kids. And you joined us in praying. You laid hands on Leah and myself and said, Lord, we really want for this gift for Zach and Leah that they could have children. And interestingly enough, it was a year later during the 10 days of prayer, on the Thursday of 10 days of prayer, that we headed to the hospital that morning. Now we'd been praying about various things, various gifts that we wanted to see from Jesus that day. One of them was, there was different nurses who had been helping us doing monitoring throughout our experience. And some of them were nicer than others. Some of them were better at making Leah feel comfortable than others. And one of them in particular was especially helpful. We were praying, God, could you just give us the right nurse today? It's not that big of a deal, but could you give us one of those nice nurses and not one of the other nurses? And so as we walked into our room, can you imagine our excitement when Tracy was our nurse? 
There's a picture of our nurse for, for the day, Tracy. And in fact, she got to follow us all the way from labor and delivery to postpartum. She got to be with us the entire day. And she was literally the nicest nurse of all the nurses. We, Leah had said that multiple times when we had met her. And you know what we learned before long? She's actually Donna Brown's daughter. Go figure. That's a church member here who uh, I was glad to have that connection with her. And it was fun. We were texting her back and forth about it. So that was the first gift of the morning. Man, God is fulfilling. He's giving us good gifts, good and perfect gifts, just like we asked for. The next gift that walked into the room was our anesthesiologist. He walked into the room and he came to the bedside and he began to talk to Leah about what was going to be happening. And it was very reassuring to Leah because she happens to know this anesthesiologist well. And that was another answer to prayer. We said, Lord, could Mark be the anesthesiologist for the day? He gathered everybody together, nurses and family, all there in the room. And I can't tell you what it meant to us to have him pray for us that day, to have him pray this beautiful prayer for what God was going to do that day. It meant so much to us. Then it felt like an eternity. They took Leah back to give her the whatever they do to her to put her halfway out. And anyway, he took good care of her. She said she didn't even feel it. And I got in there and it was great to have Mark there coaching and encouraging both of us, telling us what's happening. And God was giving us good gift after good gift. And you saw what happened. It was literally five minutes after I walked into the room. 10.35, they started the surgery. At 10.37... Every good and perfect gift. We'll remember that verse. At 10.37, Olivia was born. 10.39, Abby was born. And they brought, her, brought them around after getting them cleaned up and showed them to Leah. And you can see the joy on her face of these good and perfect gifts that were given to us. Would you read this verse with me? James 1.17. Read it out loud like God has just given you the best gift of your entire life because he just did that for me. So I need to read it for myself again. Can you read it with me? Every good and every gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Do you believe that about your God? That he gives good gifts. He gives perfect gifts. That he always gives those things. There's no shadow with him. There's no shadow that comes between you and him that can ever stop the good gifts from coming into your life. Here's a picture of them when they're finally in their room. My sister-in-law made this nice little sign for them that tells you what time they were born. Olivia weighed in at six pounds, three ounces. Abby weighed in at five pounds, three ounces. They had APGAR scores of 9-9, so I didn't know what that meant until this day, but apparently that's really, really good thing. They were really healthy. They were crying as soon as they came out, and it was an amazing thing. I didn't pass out either because I had Mark encouraging me, so that was another good and perfect gift. Here's our first family photo. This is on our first Sabbath together as a family. We got a picture of all of us as we headed out into the hall to venture around for our first trip. You see there's the bassinet, and they're snuggling together in their own bassinet together there in the hospital. Good gift after good gift after good gift. Thank you for praying for us. I believe that those prayers were answered time and time again. But my question for you this morning is, What do God's good gifts look like in our lives? 
And do they always look the same? Do they always look like the right nurse, the right anesthesiologist, the perfect babies, and everything going exactly like we want it to go? Is that what good and perfect gifts look like? You know, Paul wrote something in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. He said, in everything, give thanks. How many things? In everything. And Paul literally meant everything, including being beaten in prison, where he was able to rejoice and to praise God for it. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I looked at my phone just yesterday and I was noticing that I had started off a prayer journal in 2019. And I said, oh, I'm going to go look at this. And I had written down January 17 to 20 and I had started writing down all of these different things, things that I'm telling you about right now, all the good gifts that God had given to me. And I noticed something. They stopped on that Sabbath. And I hadn't written anything more since then. You know, sometimes we don't recognize how good God's gifts are because they come in a form and a fashion that we can't in our finite vision recognize as the good and perfect gifts that they are. You see, we were really hoping to get out of the hospital that day. Ministry of Healing, page 488, talks about when difficult circumstances come. This whole section is an amazing section to read, but it says, When notwithstanding disagreeable circumstances, we rest confidingly in His love and shut ourselves in with Him, that's Jesus, the sense of His presence will inspire a deep and tranquil joy. We were there in the hospital and we wanted to go home. Let me tell you, hospital food, some of you may feel good about hospital field food, but for us, we were ready to be done with hospital food. We were ready to be done for Leah to be sleeping in that uncomfortable hospital bed. She couldn't sleep there well. We were looking forward to Sunday. That's when they said, you can go home on Sunday. And there's just a few little tests you got to do before you can get out of the hospital. So they said, just go get the car seats because the babies were born early. They need to pass this test called the car seat test. The car seat, what? We live five minutes from the hospital. We'll walk with them if they can't go in the car seat. Just let us go home, please. Okay, I'll go get the car seat. So that'll be fine. They, they said everybody passes the car seat test usually. Most babies do, so it's perfectly fine. Went and got the, the car seat. As I got the car seats, I got into the elevator. As I'm riding up the elevator, there's a lady there who begins talking to me. She's like, oh, you're the one with the twins. I'm like, huh? How do you know I'm the one with the twins? Come to find out she's the nursing supervisor, Julia, who you may know, who has been to this church a number of times, but often is there running the hospital on the weekend, something that I am now very, very grateful for. Well, she talked to me for a minute about how it was going. I realized that she had actually stayed with me longer than she intended because we got to the third floor and there's only three floors in the hospital. And I got off and she stayed on the elevator and went back down. So apparently she wanted to talk to, to me at that point in time. Got the car seats up to the room. I actually went to, to sleep before they started the car seat test. And then we found out that Olivia did not pass her car seat test. That was a real bummer, but we said, okay, it's fine. In the morning, let's just have them take the car seat test again, and we can still get out of the hospital by afternoon. It's not that big of a deal. Now, the car seat test, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, as I wasn't, is basically they take them and they put monitors on them to monitor their heart, to monitor their oxygen level, to make sure that while they're in the, the car seat, that they can have their head in the right position to be able to continue breathing. So that... Olivia failed the car seat test. Abby did great. She's the little one. Olivia's the bigger one. Thank you for all your prayers for Abby throughout the, the, the year leading up to this. 
Olivia was the one struggling at that point. Well, the next morning, we were anticipating, when is this car seat test going to happen? When, when are they going to let us take this car seat test and go home? Because I read on the internet that a baby will fail it every once in a while, and it'll never, usually won't fail it twice in a row. It'll be perfectly fine. Then the nurse comes in and says, oh no, you can't go home today. She was really abrupt about it. You can't go home today. You got to wait at least 24 hours to take the car seat test again. Now, I know some of you are going through really big trials in your life. <laughs> but to Leah and I at that moment, that was a big trial. <laughs> we wanted to go home. <laughs> we didn't want to spend another day in the hospital. In fact, they sent nurses in to console us because we were having a difficult time with having to spend longer in the hospital. We took a walk around. I took Leah out. We had a, a lunch out on the patio. And I can't thank God enough that Livy didn't pass her car seat test because that was a good and perfect gift from the Father above. Didn't look like it at the time. And a lot of the things you're going through today don't look like blessings from Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, if you're trusting in Jesus, they are. If you've given your life to Jesus, every single circumstance in your life is a blessing. It's a good and perfect gift. He may not have intended for that painful thing to happen in your life. But he's using it for infinite good in your life. He promises that in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you love God this morning? This promise is for you. You love God. All things in your life will work together for your good to those who are the called according to his purpose. He's called you. You love him. And he has promised that he's going to work all things together for good in your life. Ministry of Healing goes on to say it this way. The Father's presence encircled Christ and nothing befell him but that which infinite love permitted for the blessing of the world. Do you believe that? Nothing could happen to Jesus except for what God allowed to happen for the blessing of the world. That's why he would say to people, well, my time hasn't come yet. And he could walk through the crowd and they couldn't touch him because the Father's presence encircled him and nothing could happen to him except for what would be an infinite blessing to the world. Here was his source of comfort and it is for us as well. He who is imbued with the Spirit of Christ abides in Christ. Whatever comes to him comes from the Savior who surrounds him with his presence. Nothing can touch him except by the Lord's permission. Is that good news this morning? You can have a shield of faith around you as you trust in Jesus to know that he's going to work all things together for good in your life. That doesn't mean that he wanted this painful world. This painful world is a result of sin. But he is going to take all the pain and suffering in this world and work it around for good in your life. You can trust him. How is he going to do this? I love how Romans 8 goes on to say this. In fact, I've been working on memorizing Romans 8. It's such a powerful chapter. I challenge you to do the same. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that a good question to ask? If the Almighty, all-powerful, loving God of the universe is on your side, who could be against you? And then look at what he goes on to name. 
Well, first we're going to look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. This is the, the assurance, the surety that we have that we don't need to worry about anything if we have Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And having become a father, I can tell you that that's a lot of love. <laughs> I can tell you that, that a God who's willing to give up that closest relationship, he compares it to a father and a son. That is a love that you can trust. He loves you so much that he gave himself in Jesus to save you. Well, that night they came to us to take Olivia back to, to redo her car seat test. And as they took her back, we we're thinking, okay, this will be great. We'll go home tomorrow after she passes the car seat test tonight. And I was actually sleeping again. I'd like to take the early shift and then get up early in the morning. And I woke up and Olivia was back. Did Olivia pass the test? Leah had kind of a sad, a little bit stressed look on her face. No, Olivia didn't pass the test. Her oxygen levels were dropping. Her heart rate level was dropping. They brought in a heart rate monitor and they put it on Livy's little foot. and They were watching her. Her levels, they were watching her heart rate, they were watching her oxygen levels, and the nurse walked out of the room for a little while, and Leah and I were watching, and the levels kept getting lower and lower. They were dipping down into the 70s, at least, maybe down into the 60s, I don't remember for sure. Suddenly, Leah said, go call the nurse, you gotta call the nurse, we gotta find out if this is an accurate reading or not. So I ran, and we, we got the nurse, she came back, and when she's looking at it, she's like, well, I don't know if this is a good pleth wave on this monitor, well... That does. And then suddenly she said, we're taking her to the nursery. We're taking her now. And instantly she took it quickly. She took her bassinet and began rolling it down the hall. We're following her to the nursery. And this is a picture of her there in the nursery. They began to put EKG things on her, temperature monitor on her, oxygen monitor on her. She was just crying inconsolably. Periodically she'd stop breathing. And here's a little video of her. She's crying out. And as a parent, to be there watching her, crying out for air, it's heartbreaking. It's so hard to see. Julia later told Leah, because she was the hospital supervisor that night, that as she was rushing up to come up there, because they began to call for help in the hospital, as she's rushing up there, she said, I was ready to call an APGAR code, I guess it's called. She was ready to call in the baby crash team to take care of Livy. There's surrounding her, you see there, the respiratory therapist was called up. You had different nurses who were there. Pretty soon the ER doctor came up to see how Olivia was doing. I know many of you have been through big trials in your life. But for this mom and dad, that was a big trial. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't understand why Olivia isn't breathing. If you see there, there's a little bag where they're squeezing. And that's the only way at that point in time that Livy is getting oxygen. She's totally stopped breathing. They would take that bag off of her and she wouldn't breathe. And they'd wait, count down 10, 12 seconds, and then put it back on her, start breathing again because she wouldn't breathe. 
Soon they called for the team to come from Sierra Vista Medical Center and the NICU team, they send a team. But you'll notice up on the clock, what time does it say on the clock there? That's 1.23 in the morning. Well, you fast forward to 3 a.m. and in comes this submarine looking thing that they warned us about was going to come that they were going to put our daughter in. They said, we're probably going to have to intubate her. I don't know if you can see the look on our face at that point in time, but it was a hard night. I'm just here to tell you. It was a tough night to watch our daughter go through that. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of when you don't understand why things are happening the way they are, where do your thoughts go? Where do my thoughts go? Do they run to Jesus? Do they run to the God who's promised that every good and perfect gift has come from Him? To the one who said, give thanks in everything? To the one who said, I will work all things together for good in your life? That's where I long for my thoughts to run in moments like that. Romans 8.24 describes what hope is like. Just before it gets to Romans 8.28, this beautiful promise, it says this about hope. And this morning, if things look dark in your life, if it looks like you don't have the answers, if, if it's like for Leah and I looking over at our daughter and saying she's not breathing, and we don't know if she's ever going to breathe again, I don't know what you're facing. It's smaller things like your car, or bigger things like your family, your job, Whatever you're looking at today, here's the deal about hope. Romans 8.24 says this, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is what? Not hope. Do you get that? Hope by very nature cannot be seen. We'll sing the song, we have this hope. We sing it because we have not yet seen Jesus coming in the clouds. We will no longer have hope when we come face to face with Jesus. But now we look forward to that day as a day that we hope for. Hope, by very nature, cannot see the object of its hope. I hoped for Livy to breathe again. I hoped that she would take another breath. But I couldn't see it at the time. The doctors could tell me, yes, sometimes they come out of this, and yes, it can be okay, and and this can resolve itself as she matures. But for me in that moment, I could not see that. And for you, this morning, you may not be able to see past whatever trial you're facing, whatever difficulty you're facing, you may be saying, I just can't see the solution to this. And that's okay. That's where hope comes in. Hope grabs a hold of a God who is bigger than your trials, who's bigger than your problems, who is the author of every good and perfect gift. And there is no shifting shadow with him. He will work everything in your life together for good. That's the promise of your almighty God. That's why it goes on to say, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We have patience and perseverance about this hope, knowing that God will do what he's promised that he will do. That's all we had to cling to at that point was hope. As they intubated Olivia there in the the nursery, and you see there the great uh, respiratory therapist, it was another answer to prayer. They said, that's the best respiratory therapist they're sending up from Sierra Vista. He's going to do a great job. His name is Noah. And they innovated her there and they got uh, ready to put her inside of this tiny box here. You see there is 
her little yellow hat there in the side of the box. And Livy's in that box, ready to be transported to the NICU at Sierra Vista. And they invited us over to that box. You see me there reaching my hand through. And Leah remembers it as the guy invited her over and said, here, you can come and say, and he caught himself, and he said, you can say, hi. She's pretty sure he was going to say, you can say goodbye. My wife didn't know if she was ever going to see her daughter again alive. She reached inside of that little isolate and said, we love you, Libby. We love you. You can trust in the worst of circumstances. You can cling to him because he is good and he will never let you down. Verse 35 of Romans 8 goes on to say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What can separate us from this love that is so infinite that it would come and be born as a baby and go to the cross for you? The love that would lay down its own life for you, the most powerful force in all the universe. What could possibly separate you from that? Then look at the things he names, things that we don't want anything to do with in our lives. If we follow Jesus, shouldn't these things not be a part of our life anymore? But he goes on to say, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation? Will distress? How about persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Will any of these things be able to separate us from the love which is in Christ Jesus? And he answers this question. The verse after verse 36 and verse 37, he says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us god doesn't promise us that we won't go through famines through persecutions that we won't face dangerous circumstances that we won't face persecutions but he's promised us that nothing can separate us from his love and that he will work all those things around for good in our lives if we'll only keep clinging to the god who loves us more than his own existence There is so much courage and hope in knowing that that's the God we serve. We hopped in our car. The ambulance driver told me, okay, you go ahead and go so that you don't have the temptation to follow the ambulance to the hospital. My mom and dad came with me and the rest of the family stayed with Leah so that they could be encouraging her. They were all praying together and watching out for Abby, trying to see if she might have the same issue, trying to have them monitor her. So we're driving down the road, trying to drive the speed limit like a good Christian. Here comes an ambulance driving past us, well past the speed limit. And it has my daughter in it. My daughter that I don't know if I'll see her alive again. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. If you only cling to Jesus... That love will cling to you like you can only imagine. My mom and dad and I were just praying the whole way home. Every promise I could think of in the Bible was coming to mind to pray. God, this is your deal. You brought us these gifts. They're your gifts and we give them back to you today. Leah had been praying for some assurance and my mom shared a little bit with you about this. My dad was there as we got to the NICU. They put her all, got her all set up in the NICU. She's still innovated here. And they, my dad took this picture and texted it to Leah. And Leah texted, I had been asking Jesus to show me that Livy was going to be okay. 
And then I saw Jewel in that picture. <laughs> Jewel is taking care of my baby, and I know that it's going to be okay. For those of you that don't know, Jewel is right there. She comes to our church here. Do you see how God is arranging time after time? He's giving us assurances in the midst of trial that he's there with us. He cares about what you're going through. And for you, as you go through the trials that you're facing in your life, watch for the little indications that Jesus is there in the midst of your trial, that he's there and will see you through. I don't know exactly what that means for you. I don't know what it'll look like. But you can trust that he will see you through. That began um, days of being there in the NICU, of just watching our little daughter there. I would have done anything possible to get Livy to breathe again. I would have done absolutely anything. I would have given anything. I would have given my own life so that Livy could have life at that point. And I barely know her. She's four days old. And yet I doubt the love that God has for me. You know what Psalm says about God? Psalm says in Psalm 103 and verse 13 that as a father pitieth or has compassion on his child, so your father in heaven has pity on you. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I can tell you, I would have done whatever it took to get Livy's vitals back. I'm looking at the monitor right there. There's probably another alarm going off, and I'm, I'm just thinking, if only I could get things to stabilize. How much more does the infinite, loving Father of the universe care about you than I, a sinful dad, cared about my little daughter? How much more does he care about the trials that you're going through I realize that I've got to stop begging God to care about me. (laughs) He already does. I've got to start pleading that my heart would be in line with his heart, that I would be praying the prayers that he wants prayed. He cares about you more than you can possibly imagine. There's the picture that we sent out on email to a lot of you. And I'm so grateful for a church like we have here. There's a number of things that, that saw us through as we were in this time looking at Livy and she's not breathing. There's a number of things that gave us courage in this difficult time. Remembering quotes like this helped me a lot. Ministry of Healing, page 488. I remember quoting this to my mom. All our sufferings and sorrows. In fact, let's just read this together. Let's stand up. It's getting towards the end here. So let's stand up and read this together, right? Read this. All our sufferings and sorrows, all our temptations and trials, all our sadness and griefs, all our persecutions and privations, in short, all things work together for our good. Do you believe that? Is that what Paul's really saying? Is that what God really means by the promises in the Bible? If so, I need to have a whole lot more confidence in Jesus. How about you? You can go ahead and sit down. Goes on to say this. All experiences. How many experiences? Everything in your life. And circumstances are God's what? Workmen. God's workmen whereby good is brought to us. This is the thing. It can be difficult to recognize God's good gifts in our life. He can send us good things that we simply don't recognize. In fact, we might see them as trials that should not be happening to us. Like being there in the hospital and feeling like, I do not want to be here another day. 
But to look back and realize, if we had not been there another day, Olivia would have been resting peacefully beside our bed or in in a room in our house. And I don't know what would have happened if there weren't respiratory therapists on call and emergency doctors who could have been there in an instant. I don't know what would have happened and I don't want to let my mind go there. But I'm just so thankful that we were still in the hospital. Do you see how even the difficulties and trials, the things that perplex us, the the things that are annoying in our lives, if we'll only trust Jesus, we can know that he's using those things too for our good. I'm so glad that we were still in the hospital where Livy could get the care that she so desperately needed. Romans 15 and verse 4 is another thing that really helped me in that time. It says this, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That's talking about the scriptures, all the stories. You have the story of Joseph sold into slavery, enduring, helping people through famine out of the midst of persecution. You have the story of David hunted by King Saul. You have story after story of people who went through really difficult things. And yet they trusted in God. And God saw them through. His faithful love saw them through. So these things were written before and they were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures scriptures, might have what? Hope. So even though we can't see hope in our experience, we can't look and say, oh, I see how this is going to play out. I see where the answers are going to come from. We can have hope because we can look at the experiences that are recorded in the Bible. We can look at the promises of Scripture and we can say, ah, I can have hope because look at what God did here. Look at the promises he's given. And there in the hospital, time after time, my mom even told me, she's like, just go whisper those promises in, in Olivia's ear. Just go whisper some of those promises to her because there's power in God's word. Her verse that we named her for, and I may explain that another time, Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the Holy Spirit who is given to you. I'd also recite to her Abby's verse because it applies to both of them. Zephaniah 3.17 Now the Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. That's what I needed that morning. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with His love. Friends, there is more value in one promise like Wade found than in all the sermons that I can ever preach to you, if it'll only be internalized for you. Because let me tell you, that morning, I didn't have time to go digging through my Bible and to say, okay, where are the promises that I need today? I had to ask the Holy Spirit to remind me of those things and ask Him. He promises that He'll bring all things to your remembrance and take the time to memorize Scripture. Romans 8 is a great place to start. I've been working on it. It's such a powerful chapter. There's so much hope in who God is that can lead you to say, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Nothing could ever separate us from his love. There is hope in the promises of the word of God. Psalm 119.50 alludes to this. The psalmist saying, this is my comfort and my affliction. For your word has given me life. He said, in the midst of my affliction, I was going through a difficult time, through a trial. And in the midst of that, life sprang up in me through your word. 
You know I'm going to preach shorter sermons because my daughters are in the audience, right? <laughs> it's good news for all of you. <laughs> all right. There's something else that's really powerful. One is scripture. Another is memorizing those scriptures for yourself. Something else is to stay connected to a loving church family who prays for you. And I'm just here this morning to say thank you. You get this email at 10 o'clock in the morning from John Dorn to the church saying, Church family, as you've probably heard that Olivia and Abby are having a tough time, I'm asking that you will join Nadine and I at the church at 7 p.m. to pray for the girls and for Zach and Leah. If you can't make it, please keep them in your prayers today. Hope to see you at 7. As I drove by the church that night, I think it was around 7 that I got back after being all night up and all day there with Livy. It meant so much to me to know that there was a church family here praying for me. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Friends, we need each other. We can't go through this alone. As you face trials, reach out to people. Say, would you pray for me? I'm going through a difficult time. I need you to pray for me. As we were there in the hospital, the doctor actually told me, she said, skin-to-skin contact with Livy holding her is the best possible thing that you could do for her right now. It's just a waiting game. But that could help her. So I can tell you, that was motivating 4 a.m., I was ready to get up and get to Sierra Vista to get there to be able to hold my little girl as long as possible. And friends, your Father in Heaven loves you way more than that. He doesn't sleep. I have to sleep. But God is up all the time watching out for you. I don't know how to describe it, but there's a love for a child that is great. And that love is something that cannot be broken. And I want to comprehend more every day that that is the kind of love that our Father in Heaven has for us. Finally, we got to take Livy home. By the way, it was kind of interesting what happened. That morning, it was around 7.50 in the morning, Leah had called and I was talking to her on the phone. And I'm looking there at Livy. She's still on the respirator. And I'm saying, yeah, she's there. She's stabilized. She's not fighting it anymore. And the doctor said, if she starts fighting it again, they're going to pull her off of that and put her on a different type of breathing apparatus. And all of a sudden, she started screaming. And so they take it out. And I said, she's breathing. (laughs) She's breathing again. We didn't have to wait very long. And about five days later, we were able to get her out of the NICU and to bring her home and to be able to hold both those little girls brought this dad a whole lot of joy. Here's a little picture of Abby and Livy as they got reunited. I think that they missed each other. What do you think? (laughs) Friends, there's something powerful about love. It binds us to each other. It binds us to God. And if we can only remember that our Father in Heaven loves us more than His own existence, then we can truly say from our hearts, if God is for us, Who could be against us? What could separate me from the love of God? Tribulation? No. Distress? I don't think so. Famine? No. Persecution? Nakedness? Sword? Danger? None of these things can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Paul ends this chapter in verse 38 by saying, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's incredible. That is a love that you and I can take to the bank. And you notice that it said in life or in death, What if our story had ended a little bit differently? Could I still stand here and preach the same sermon? I can't answer that question. I know that it would still be true. I know that our God is good, that He gives good and perfect gifts, that all things work together for good, and I'm grateful that the good in this situation was for Livy to have life. But even if you're in a trial or you've gone through a trial, some of you sitting in this place have lost twin children. Some of you sitting here have lost singleton children. Some of you sitting here may be thinking, well, that's great for them. I'm glad that all is rosy in the end for them. But what about me and the trial that I'm going through? It didn't turn out that way for me. The promise of God is still true for you today. That God works all things together for good. That nothing can separate you from the infinite love of God if you will only trust in Him. Let Him hang on to you. Let Him hold you with that love that can never let you go. There's something powerful about love. There's something life-changing about love. And I'm just here this morning to say thank you to you as a church family because what you have done for our family is absolutely astounding. And I'm so incredibly grateful because this morning I get to introduce to you little Olivia, right? This is, this is Olivia, and she was our child who helped to build our faith outside of the womb. And sometime we'll have to tell you more of the story about Abby and her experience, but she's right now, um, was convinced she was hungry, so we'll have her stay sitting down. All right? And you're thinking about it too, aren't you? Yeah. You're thinking you're hungry too. But we're just so glad that you're here and that you're okay. Yeah. We're just so glad that you're okay. I just want to say thank you. It means the world to me that you prayed for Livy and for Abby. You've supported us so much. And I just want to ask you to keep doing that for each other. Support each other. We've got to be here for each other. This world isn't getting any nicer. It's not getting any friendlier. We need each other. Keep encouraging each other to cling to that love that will never let you go. In closing, I actually wanted to read something that some of you told me was an inspiration. It's a letter that I wrote to Olivia in the NICU as I was sitting there holding her. Yeah. Oh, man. Headbands can be a a hassle, can't they? I'm so sorry about that. All right. Dear Olivia, I can't believe how close we came to losing you, nor can I describe the joy of seeing you start to breathe again. Livy, people have been praying for you around the world. I can't begin to thank them all. You and Abby are miracles from day one. We were so frustrated that they weren't going to let us take you home Sunday because of the car seat challenge. Little did we know that you would stop breathing that night. I'm so glad we were still where you could be saved. Nor Now we just can't stop holding you. I love that cry. I'm so glad you cry. Oh, I know. Oh, that's okay. Look at that. They love you. Oh, what a, what a nice church family, huh? 
We'll just shorten this, huh? You can read it later if you want. It's really not that important. This child is much more important than that. But here's the deal. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Sorry. It's okay. Would you guys join me in praying and specifically just in asking Jesus that he would... You want to introduce them to Abby too? Perfect. Oh, thank you. They like to be together. Okay. There you go. You get to see them both. Some of you are getting real nervous. Like, does he know how to hold two babies at once? That's why I had to take two weeks off. Because it can be pretty challenging. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. My cup is overflowing with God's goodness. And friends, if you don't have the exact same blessing that I have today, that's okay. Because as you keep looking to Jesus, he will continue to fill your life with good. And all things will work together for good in your life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you. Thank you that out of the mouth of nursing babes, you have prepared praise for you. And we just praise you and thank you for the goodness of life. And we thank you for a God who will never let us go. We thank you that you work all things together for good. Thank you that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from your love. Father, may we not try to prove you wrong. May we not choose to walk away from you, but may we continue to allow you to love us, to allow you to pour out that love in our lives. May we allow you to work all things together for good. May we give all back to you who've given all to us and help us to have a hope that's rooted in Scripture, like Wade shared with us. That we can have confidence in the God who will save us. Help us to have confidence in you like the pearl that we heard about during children's story. That we can know that you're going to take those circumstances and work them around for good. Thank you, Father, so much for your good and perfect gifts. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.